0: thank you so much for coming. I know it's kind of a specialized topic today. I'm assuming we all teach math. Um, how many of you are actually doing TFT at your schools? Many, but not all. Okay, so um, I did envision that most of us would be um, aware of some of the terminology and things like that. Um, if there's something that I go into that you're like, what? Please ask and I will happily clarify. Um, so. Uh, I am hoping that I'm able to give you just a little bit of an insight or perspective into how I run my class, um, knowing that, uh, for those of us who have done TFT, um, it is a little tricky to do it in a math classroom. Um, It's definitely not impossible, but I have found that it takes a little bit of creative thinking, um, and I feel very comfortable and confident at a place that I've arrived. I have not arrived at the end, however. Um, So what I want to do is kind of uh, go through some of those essential practices that you see. So this is kind of like an overview document, the handout that you have, overview overview document from um, case that talks about some of like the big foundational elements of Teaching for Transformation. Um, you start with your mission and vision, and there should be a space on yours, if you know your school's mission and vision, to put it there. Um, and from there, you get the deep hope. And underneath there, you have the core practices. And the one that I have found that I go back to the most naturally and the most regularly is my storyline. Um, so the storyline, for those of you who um, aren't familiar with it, it's kind of like, your tagline, in a sense, for your class. It's something that you can point students back to. Um, You have it displayed in your classroom, um, and it does, at least in my case, it does a good job of explaining in just like a really short snippet who I am and what I'm about and what I want my classroom to be about. Um, Underneath there, you have the essential practices. Those are gonna be what we spend most of our time on, but I'm really only gonna talk about four of them. So, before we get into anything, um, I wanted to share my storyline with you because everything that I do in my classroom goes back to my storyline. Um, so you can tell my desk is a hot mess in this picture because it is leading up to this week. Um, but I have my storyline displayed big in my classroom. Together we can do hard things. Um, I, I'm i a very positive person by nature. Um, our staff did uh, like some of the different tests um, to see kind of what your personalities are and things like that. And we did one that was called the Strengths Finder. And to no one's surprise that I work with, one of my top traits was uh, this wonderful positivity. Um, And I think that for me, it's always been part of how I like to be in a classroom. Um, One of the things that was so striking for me in my undergraduate education um, with math was how there's so much anxiety and um, nervousness around just existing in a math classroom. Um, And I feel like one of the natural things that I like to hope that I do is my personality can put students at ease. Um, So this, together we can do hard things. Um, When I talk about this with my students, I kind of break it down into three pieces. Um, Together, this idea that we are together. We are together. We're our little, like, second-hour family, or we're a little six-hour family together. We are with each other for an entire semester, and truly, I truly, truly believe this, my six-hour kids are together, not just because the registrar happened to put them together, but, like, there was a specific purpose God had for all of us in being there together. Um... On a more practical level, together, we work in table groups. So my desks don't actually physically fit in my room in rows. So we are all in table groups, which was a happy accident when we ordered my furniture um, to change the way that I thought about having my students be together. Um, And it's been one of the best changes I've ever made in my teaching. Um, So this idea of like together, I, yes, am the teacher. However, I am not the only one who knows the information after we go through something, as we're going through a warm-up, as you're studying for a test or studying for a quiz, you are encouraged to be a kind and helpful partner. Um, I was out for a couple days last week, um, and in my sub plans, I said, as always, please be kind and helpful to each other and to the sub while I'm gone, right? We're focusing on this together. Um, The we can. For students, again, in a math classroom, I'm sure we've all experienced this. We have a lot of students who come in thinking that, like, part of them, like, part of their identity is that they're either a good math student or a bad math student. And, like, it's part of who they are. And I think about the kind of student who walks into my room every day, or who has walked into a math classroom every day leading up to coming to mine, and with every step, they're going, oh man, like, this is my least favorite class, I suck at math, I'm good at it, everybody knows that I'm bad at it, I'm the only one who ever has any questions, right? And they have this narrative and this negative self-talk going through their mind. And I encourage them to flip the script. God does not tell us that we are dumb, right? God does not say, you are stupid, congratulations. Um, so why are we telling ourselves that, right? Like, why are we saying to ourselves that we are dumb and that we are incapable? So when I have students who get their quiz back, this happened last week, they're like, oh man, I'm so dumb. I'm like, no, 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 you are not dumb. You may have made a dumb mistake, but you as a human, as a person, as a child of God, you are not dumb. And helping them to uh, reframe how they talk to themselves, which will help them change how they think about themselves. Um, and then the do hard things. Um, I teach an advanced algebra 2 class, it's the one that I teach most regularly. Um, and I found um, in the course of our like, class system for math, algebra 2 is the first place that like, a lot of our really good math students are like, oh no, <laughs> right? Like they're like, you want me to do, like, logs? Like, what? <laughs> like, trig, like, I did trig in geometry, but like, this trig is like, extra. Like, what is happening? Um, and we have students who, all of a sudden, they're like, oh no, I can't do it. I also have students, I bet you don't have students like this, but the students who are like, oh, it's a word problem. Right, like, oh, that's the hard, I'm gonna ask about this one tomorrow in class. And like, all they've done is see that there's words. Right? Like they, they stop there. Um, I also think about the students who, right, you know, you can clearly look at their homework and you're like, oh, you stopped like literally halfway down the worksheet. Right? Like you, you petered out. It's probably not that you didn't get it. You just were like, yeah, I think I'm done, or I think I'm busy with other things, right? Like you kind of you stop. So I encourage students, right, the do her things is something you need to work on maybe you're an excellent math student but you aren't giving it your all or you're finding ways around it right You're you're looking at someone's homework and getting the answers down so you can get your completion points for your homework right so what does that actually mean for you are you pushing yourself to do great things um, if we can persevere as math students if we can learn that skill of perseverance that skill will take us forward into our future relationships, into our marriages, into our families, into our future workplace, right? And I think one of the benefits about having this, like this gives framework, it gives um, a visual, it gives something that I can point back to for students to help them recognize this is what I think is important in the class. Yeah, it's good and all if you understand logs, but like, This is that, if you've heard like the 60, 60, 60, some of you know what I'm talking about, right? This is the 60 years of importance. Yeah, we should probably understand logs for like the next two, three years. Um, But if you don't remember it, when you are a married spouse with three kids running amok as you're trying to be like a good husband or wife or a good worker, you're probably going to be okay. But we need to talk kindly to ourselves, We need to have a positive outlook on the work that we do. We need to persevere. We need to be a team player. We need to be kind and helpful. So all of the things that I tell you today ideally relate back to this um, because it is foundational for how I function as a teacher. So um, the degree, rhythms and practices. Formative assessment. Um, I have four different things I will chat with you about formative assessment. Um, So here it says it offers specific feedback to guide the learning journey. Um, When I do warm-ups, for a long time, and I think it was probably like beginner teacher Susie, I was like, I have enough mental capacity to create lessons and I can teach the thing, we can check the homework and we can do uh, like answer questions and we'll get into the notes and like that's all I had time for. And a couple years into teaching, I had a goal I'm gonna make a warm up for every single day. And I think it's probably one of the best changes I ever made in my teaching because I can actually see what students are doing. If I check the homework and I say, hey, what questions do we have? A lot of times, students going to necessarily say anything. Um, Again, trying to make an atmosphere where like it's okay if we have questions and questions are normal and the reason why you're in this class is because you don't know how anything works, right? Um, But allowing that warm-up to exist I think is super important because it allows me a moment. A lot of my warm-ups are partner warm-ups, so it enforces that together idea. It also makes it so I can curate the exact kind of question that I want and force them to do a hard question, right? So like I am I'm presenting them with an opportunity to practice those things that I think are important. Um, something that I do that I totally love um, is something called a homework quiz. Um, One thing that is really difficult, um, and that we're having lots of conversations about at our school this year, is about cheating. Um, I feel like students have um, a different view on cheating than even I did when I was in high school. I I feel like somehow things have gotten lost. Um, And one of the things that was really difficult for me is I used to only grade homework on completion. I said, hey, this is the very first time that you're doing something, I want you to be encouraged Right, We can. You can try. You don't have to feel like you're dumb. I want you to be encouraged to try the questions, to do the hard things, and not feel like you're penalized for it. I hope somebody doesn't expect me to master something on my first try, so why am I going to expect you to understand something on your first try? However, it got really complicated when all these students are getting perfect scores on their homework for completion, and then they take a test or a quiz, and I had no idea. Um, Also in the world of cheating and copying, um, I didn't feel super great about having students write down just like one question from their homework because what if that was a question that was somebody else's work, right? I didn't feel like I could confidently give someone points for something I didn't know was theirs. So enter the homework list. Um, What you see here is three of them stapled together. So, I'll point out a couple of things. Um, this, it looks really big, it, it, but it's literally a quarter sheet of paper. So, I fit four always onto one piece of paper. Four because I have four students at a table. And my idea is when I have, you see this is homework quiz one, two, and four, um, when I have four students at a table, when I pass them out, somebody gets number one, somebody gets number two, somebody gets number three, somebody gets number four. So that way I can feel comfortable. We don't have to like put up dividers or do like the crazy little like tent things that you do in second grade with your binders. Um, like you're not gonna cheat off your neighbor because if you do, like, you're literally going to get it wrong because it's four different questions. But like the variations on a question, change the numbers, same big idea. Um, And what I did is I said, okay, if there's like a big idea from a lesson, so like last week we did factoring, so I had like difference of squares, factoring, okay, two questions of difference of squares, like maybe one had greatest common factor, one didn't, like what are uh, the x-intercepts or whatever the case is, um, can you do it? So they still have normal homework. Um, is the, I want you to practice, I want you to try, and not feel afraid of having something negative happen to you, as far as a grade, right, so you're practicing that perseverance, the doing hard things. After we do a warm-up, we do a homework quiz, and it's low, uh, not low stakes, uh, but it's, it's a small bit of information, it's like the key, the thing that I want to make sure, did they get it, and for my own <laughs> mental sanity, um, I can't grade like 120 of these in a day, Like it's, that's unsustainable. So for my own sanity, what I do is I grade them for credit or no credit, which sometimes makes students afraid, but you'll notice there are a couple here. So when I grade the first one, it literally goes into a you're correct pile or you're not a correct pile. If you are correct, I plug it in, six out of six in the grade book, if it's not correct, you get a new one stapled to it. So notice, different version, right? So you're not gonna get the same one back. So new one stapled to it, and then I pass back only the incorrect ones, the correct ones, throw it away. I don't wanna waste time passing things out. Um, and what this allows students to do is right away, they know if they got it. Because if they didn't get something back, they're like, yes, if they didn't get it back right away, you'll see, even if I'm like in the middle of something, they're like, hey, what, I thought, oh, man, like, they are invested in knowing what it was that they got wrong, and for me, it takes approximately five minutes to grade a class set and put it in the grade book, which I think is a win, because then I can give them extraordinarily timely feedback. I usually try and return them the next day as they're walking in um, during, like, passing period, Um, and because I've built into the system having four of them, they get the first try and three redos. Which I think is spectacular. My rule is that um, they can redo it up to three times, but you have to turn it in by the day of the test. And this allows them chances to fix their mistakes. Again, Right? this formative assessment, it's low stakes, it's not something where like, if you don't understand on the first day, that's okay. Um, I also do like, a five minute time limit. At the beginning of the year, I actually put a timer up on the board. I know that that does stress some students out, but I try and remind them, hey, remember, you can literally write Jesus as your answer. Actually, I had a whole class that wrote potato when they didn't know something. Um, But you can literally write Jesus as your answer, turn it in, and then at a later point in time, you can do it without that time stressing you out. So trying to balance, hey, we have a limited amount of time in class, and I have a very specific goal that I'm trying to accomplish by doing this, but I also don't have 20 minutes to make this happen. Also, if you look at the kinds of questions and the amount of questions that there are, it shouldn't be taking us 20 minutes to do a homework quiz. It should be taking us five minutes to do a homework quiz. How often do you do those? At the beginning of the year, we are not in our rhythm. So right now, I think I've done in like our, we're like halfway through our second chapter, I think I've done them for maybe half of the lessons. And my personal goal, my students don't know this yet, um, but my personal goal is by second semester to do exclusively these in the grade book. So my hope is they'll recognize the importance of doing the homework, like the nightly homework, right? Because that supports them. Homework also in my grade work is worth two points. Homework quizzes are worth six points. So that way it is a heightened importance. Um, Also too, I have no idea if students are just like straight up copying their homework. I have really good feeling that most students are not cheating on these guys. So I feel better about giving those grades. Um, But it does take extra time. So I have like a document for my classes that I'm like, only do if it's a block day. There's no time for like all this jazz on like whatever particular lesson it is. Um, so from year to year, I'm like, shoot, probably didn't have time for that because I'm squished really far to the end. Yeah. How are you keeping track of like this child got quiz two? Do you have like a little notebook? Or something? No, like, there. So or you staple them? I staple so, them together. Yep. Um, and then at the end, I can pull up a document. I system and they're color coded right so like the this is what eleven four day one is blue so then eleven four day two will be green so then eleven five will be yellow right so visually i'm trying to like limit the first time i did it i copied it all in the same color like all in white right i'm like oh i can't i have to dig through i want to just be able to be like oh you need another green one cool grab a green one staple it together um and then copying wise i do like so it's four pages for each thing. So for eleven, four-day one homework quiz one will be one, two, three, four of those, and then the second page would be homework quiz uh, number two, one, two, three, four of those, and then the third page would be homework quiz three, one, two, three, four of those, and then fourth page, the fourth one, one, two, three, four. So that way, when I need to chop them all, because that takes time too, at least I can grab them in stacks of four, eight, or twelve, and then when I cut them, they're perfectly in order, which is nice. I also have bins by my door. I'll point them out in a later picture. I have bins by my door, so they turn them in by number. Right Again, I want this to be efficient. I don't want it to take more time than possible, but I love this system, yes. Okay, Um, quiz retakes, I'm really curious. How many of you offer quiz retakes at your school? Quiz retakes, or did you have a question about, yes. (laughs) <laughs> how many of you do quiz retakes at your school? Okay, handful of you, beautiful. So I consider this formative assessment, right? It's guiding this learning journey, it's giving us information, so that way we know how to go forward. It is a department policy at South that we offer quiz retakes in the math department. Um, it's not like a school-wide policy. Um, but one thing that I found really helpful is that we, as a math department, have determined each class can get specific about what they want the um, requirements to be or how many points you get back or all that jazz. Um, I I give them the quiz retake policy and big things um, worth knowing about my quiz retake policy is that you can get 100% of your points back. I think that this is important. Because, same deal with that homework quiz, you gotta turn it in by the day that we take the test. The quiz retake you don't have until the end of the school year, you have until the day I tell you, which is always before the day of the test. The quiz retake is supposed to support your understanding and your chances of doing better on the test, so why in the world am I gonna let you do a quiz retake after the test? It makes no sense, they're supposed to work together. Um, So, I say, well, if you can understand it in five days, why should you get less points than somebody who understands it in only two days right like time you know, I tell my students this all the time you don't get extra points for doing a regular quiz faster right like if you're the first person or the last person to turn a test or a quiz that doesn't matter it's just how your brain works go for it um, however <laughs> because I give them such a beautiful carrot you get 100% of your points back your new score will replace the old score whatever you get Now, thinking back to my storyline, together we can do hard things, right? Students need to believe that they can, so I give them lots of support. I have all sorts of extra practice that they can do. I make myself available. We have almost, we call it common time. Um, It's almost like office hours-esque in our class. Um, But I'm like, I'm available to be as helpful as you need me to be, or you're welcome to do it on your own. Um, And then Students should feel empowered to understand for themselves, well, how much do I need to study? And I I always have students who come up, they're like, well, like, what do I need to do? I'm like, well, what did you get wrong, (laughs) right? Like, how much? How much do you think you need to prepare? And I think that this helps students understand, well, do I need to study a lot? Did I just make little, like, oh, I forgot the negative, or I accidentally multiplied when I should have added, or right? Like, was it was a small mistake, or was it a big thing? Um, and helping students understand for themselves, right, where is my learning at, right? Looking inside of themselves. Um, the last thing I have a handful of activities and games that I do. Um, we have block days two days a week. So I try and throw an activity or a game in there, and I used to be completely against activities and games until we had block days, <laughs> and then <laughs> trying to teach uh, and like talk at students for an entire block period was totally not a thing. That. I wanted to do, nor that they would actually learn anything. Um, So I have a whole bunch of activities. If you go on wherever you can find like these presentations, all of those things are links to things that I do. Um, Leapfrog is really fun. If you've never heard of Leapfrog, look it up. It takes more time, but it's super fun. Um, But I think for my storyline, right, together we can do hard things. I really want students to have fun being together and and know that like talking about math is like a normal thing to do in a math class. Um, I think that students are sometimes so afraid to have their voices be heard in a math class. Um, and activities and games are perfect opportunities to let that happen. Um, and they need to have fun with it um, in order to feel like they can ask you the harder questions. Um, my favorite activities are self-checking activities. Um, So a lot of these are scavenger hunts. If you've never heard of them, please, please, please try and do one this year. You can find tons of them for free. You should never need to pay or buy something on Teachers Pay Teachers. Um, You can easily turn any worksheet into a scavenger hunt. Um, Scoots are really fun. Um, I actually have rolling chairs in my room, so I literally have my students scoot around, and they think it's the best thing in the world. I'm like, well, this is Uh, but just right, like changing what they're doing. Whiteboarding is also amazing. If you can get your hands on like a set of whiteboards, whiteboarding is awesome. Markers, dry erase markers are like magic for students. They love writing on them. So if you give them a math problem, they're like, yes, right. And when do they do that, right? Like if we were just doing that on, we we're doing the exact same activity on a piece of paper, they would not feel the same way. So whiteboard markers and whiteboards are magic. If you do not have budget for whiteboards in your classroom, um, you can take page protectors and put a piece of paper inside, and the whiteboard markers will work on it just as well. It'll get a little messier, but it's a great substitute if you need a substitute. OK. Excuse me. Yes? If you have desks, the whiteboards can slide right underneath them if it's the right kind. Ooh. And then if you have a little bar on the side, you can buy those pencil bags. Put the erasers and pens. I so love it. They just, oh need more practice, that's what them about. That's perfect. So just thank you Yes, thank you, and please continue with ideas. Okay, protocols. Um, protocols, here it says it engages the learner and promote collaboration. Um, I also think of protocols as like the way of being, right? So like, what are the things that I do frequently? How, how do I exist? Um, so here is the picture of my room, and I told you I'd show you. You can kind of see them, they're clear, bins. There's been right here, right here, and then a bin right here, right here. Those are my homework quiz bins. So they're labeled with one, two, three, and four. So students know I put it in here. So when I go to grade it, it's all in order. So that was one of the other ways that I make homework quizzes easier for myself. Um, so, physical orientation of the room. Um, if you're thinking uh, protocols, they're supposed to engage learners and promote collaboration. I already told you, my desks are too big they don't fit in rows. So I was forced um, from early on to be in tables and it terrified me. Um, The very first time that I did it, I was like, I don't know how to control students when they're not all looking at me. I don't know how to control students or control the atmosphere in the room when they're sitting next to someone, and not only this, they're looking at each other. I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, Do not be afraid by this. I was forced into it, I had no other way to like get out of it. Um, and it, now I do it by choice. Um, it is the best thing in the world, right? I am not the only one with the knowledge. Students now feel more comfortable to talk to each other. Um, so many of the things that I do as far as protocols are, are because of the orientation of my room. So, five things. Um, every single day, attached to my warm-up like, PowerPoint that I've got ready, I have a small talk question. Um, a handful of years ago, our school did a big push to try and have students like, put their cell phones away or put them in like, a little shoe pocket. And I said, okay, my students don't know how to talk to each other, <laughs> um, so what can I do to help give them like, a security blanket that isn't their phone? Um, So I literally have a small talk question of the day for every single warm-up that we do, which means that I have one for almost every single day of the school year. And what's really fun is that at the beginning of the school year, I try and do some like lighter, fluffier, funnier questions. And the idea is while they're coming in, they they have a question that they can just chat about. And what's super enjoyable is as the year goes on, they look forward to it because they know it's just going to be like a fun question. As the year goes on, I try and put some deeper questions in there that ideally, right, over time, and I have my students for a year, um, and some of you might only have some students for a semester, but right, like, as time goes on, we have that relational equity. We've been through a lot together in Algebra 2, right? We've all struggled. We've all had these moments that we like, what? Um, so when, when I ask Okay, it's just on the board, so it's it's a deeper question, but it's it's a great way for students to ask someone that they only see in their third hour math class, hey, what do you value most in friendship? And they didn't have to come up with the question, but now all of a sudden they're engaged in a really cool conversation. And as a math teacher, one of my least favorite things about teaching math is that we don't get to talk about these kinds of questions naturally, right? So At the beginning of the year, I'm like, hey, let me tell you all about me, and let me find out a little bit about you, and then for the rest of the year, we really don't talk about it. So this has been a really great blessing for me because I get to learn more about students and there's some outrageous questions that you can find, right, like if you were to two animals together to be a super animal, to fight in a battle, what animals would you choose? And like students get out of control with it um, or like what is the correct way or what are the correct toppings to put on a hot dog, right? And people have very strong opinions about hot dog toppings. Um, and it's just fun, right, because you get students engaged. Um, Going back to the storyline, right, together, we can do hard things. I think that in order for students to feel comfortable in a math class this might be a bold statement, but I think in order to have students feel comfortable in a math class, asking questions like, "I really don't get this." Like, "I feel so lost," Or to turn to the kid next to him or to approach a teacher, right? That's not gonna happen if they don't have any relational equity. They need to feel comfortable chatting about the stupid things in order to turn to the person next to them and be like, can you explain this question to me? I got this question wrong on a quiz. Or I don't understand why I got marked down on, like, that's a scary question to ask. So making them feel, right, that together piece, and it seems kinda silly, Um, But I think that that is potentially one of the most important things that I do in my room is help students feel like we are a team or at least that they are connected in some way. Um, Other things that I do um, protocols. So engaging learners, promoting collaboration um, before we even do a warm up. So we pull out the homework I put the answer key on the screen. They are um, asking questions of me, and I actually say, hey, before uh, I take any questions, go ahead and ask the people at your table, and see if you can get your first round of questions answered, and then I'll take whatever's left over. Um, In my mind, I'm freeing up class time, right, because now, ideally, I don't have to answer 12 questions, maybe I'll answer one or two questions, but also, students are valuing their neighbor. They're seeing that I'm not the only one with the answers, right, they are, valuing that together piece. Um, another thing that I do even before we get to the warm up is while the answer key is on the screen, I say, all right, with your neighbor, pick, any two questions on the homework page and just chat through it. Right, so almost like a primer to the warm up because if they haven't yet gotten their brains into math in like the first couple minutes of the class period, by the time we get to the warm up, I want them to be fully ready to the warm up. I don't want them to have to warm up during the warm-up, I want them to be doing the warm-up. So it's very low stakes. When I have the answer key up there, it's the homework that they already did. Hey, pick any two questions, chat through with your neighbor, right? They're, just, they're getting used to talking in math. They're getting used to talking with their neighbor. So that way, when we actually get to the warm-up, I have higher confidence that they're ready to go. Um, whiteboard warm-ups, we've talked about a bit. Um, I think that these are hugely important. Whiteboards, again, they're magic. Also, if you can get bigger ones, they write bigger on big whiteboards, so you can see it easier. Um, if they're just doing a warm-up on a piece of paper, I find that it's impossible to see. Um, I can't tell at all what they're writing, and it's super easy for me to walk over to Ken and be like, oh, like, here, let me just, you had a plus sign, I'm just gonna make this a minus sign, and they're like, oh, yeah, cool, and it's, it feels much less invasive, than me going up with like a pen or a pencil on their paper, because um, it's a whiteboard, right? It's that's what we do. Um, during notes, um, I try and still encourage this togetherness. Again, I can help guide us, but I am not going to be. After we go through a topic, I'm not the only one who understands how to do something. Um, so one of my favorite things to do during uh, notes is like we'll get to like a chunk, like you know you get to that point in your notes, you're like, oh, like we just covered like we still have a little bit more to go, right? Like, we, we covered, like, the big idea. And if I ask students, like, hey, how are we feeling? Or do you have any questions? You know they're going to be like, yeah, we're fine. And they're not fine. Um, so one of the things that I do is I say, okay, you have 30 seconds. I want you to explain this question. Or I want you to talk about everything we've talked about so far. Go. And right away, da, 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 da. they're talking to each other. They're, I can hear people being like, oh, wait, no, but how do you? And they're actually talking things through. Now, with the together portion, that is potentially obviously uh, the together piece. Um, but I do sometimes have students who are like, oh, you just math it. You just math it. <laughs> and that is a great opportunity. And I hate when students do that, but they do. Um, and I, it's a great opportunity for me as a teacher to be like, hey, Remember, we want to be kind and helpful. While that might be funny to do with your partner, I want you to actually be helpful and explain it. Um, because, chances are, one of those two people actually knows what's happening, which is why they're being funny and saying just math it, and the other person is going along with it, maybe because they get it, but also, maybe they don't, <laughs> right? And maybe they could actually really benefit from the person who understands it really Okay, Um, activity days. Um, When, or activity moments, maybe is a better way of saying it. Um, I've reframed how I think of activities in the last couple of years. Um, One thing uh, that I think, again, is great for activities is that it fosters that togetherness. They're valuing each other. They are able to see the factoring concept or whatever it is from a different perspective, um, which is great. We've done factoring for a long time in my. It's on the brain. Um, however, what I noticed is in the past, I had tons of students who were like, you know, we had like five minutes left in class, but like, oh, Mrs. Wessel, like, I didn't get this done yet. Like, what, can, is, is it posted online? And I'm like, no, 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 like, don't worry about it. But like, even me saying don't worry about it, they were still worried about it, right? They're like, this is for points, I have to turn it in, it's going to affect my grade. And then I had other students who were just like, cool, I'm going to get this done as fast as possible so then I can be Right, like that's the goal. And neither of those are helpful. Um, so, what I've done uh, for like the self-guided activities, so not necessarily for like, i am got like, like, a, like a bingo or whatever, um, but for a tarsia puzzle or for a scavenger hunt, um, where they are the ones like pacing themselves. I say, all right, here's how the activity works, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm gonna set a timer on the board, and it's gonna run for 15 minutes, 25 minutes, however long I think it's gonna take. My expectation is not that you finish it. And right away, you would be students like, huh, like, usually that's why we do stuff, right? It's to finish, but like, my expectation is not that you finish it. This is intended to be practice for you. So, I want you to remember, the goal is practice. The goal is not finishing. And what that, I found, does is immediately It puts me and the students on the same team because they know that I want them to learn. And if they get done with four questions or 14 questions, my hope is that those four questions were really valuable for them or those 14 questions were really valuable for them. Um, It allows them to focus on that can. They're no longer worried, oh my gosh, I'm not fast enough, I can't do it, this question's too hard, I'm just gonna write down what so-and-so has they can now focus on learning, which is why we do the activities, right? Like That's the purpose of us spending so much time getting these things together. We want them to learn and to practice. Um, Also, I love activities, especially ones that aren't guided by me, um, but ones that are student-led, where they're doing the thing and I kinda get to float because then I can actually take time with the students who don't get it. (laughs) Instead of, as a whole class, um, potentially dividing my time, um, not as well. Um, opening and closing circles. This is one um, that I find kind of interesting. Um, I do it, if, if you've done uh, opening and closing circles with TFT, I maybe took a little bit of a creative liberty with this. Um, we don't actually stand in a circle um, at any point in time, but I take pieces of this. Um, so it says you're building community and fostering belonging along, among learners. Um, so there's three things that I do. The one, which we talked about, the small talk question of the day, right? Every student, ideally, has a chance to chat with somebody. Now, we're not having each person going around and saying to the entire class something, but my hope is, again, that their voice is heard by someone. Again, if they can talk about the funny stuff, the little stuff, the small stuff, then ideally they can talk about the big stuff. Um, The second thing that I do that I've come to really love is I do thank you stickies. Um, This is the slightly sappier side of me, Um, but it has been so joyful to see how students respond to this. And again, I don't expect this to work for everyone, but it works for me and how I think about things. Um, At the end of each chapter, we change seats. So I say on like our second test review day, all right, this is the last day you guys are going to be in these seats with your Chapter 2 buddies. And a lot of times they're like, oh, no. Like they come to like really love and adore each other. And I say, okay, I got sticky notes on your desk. You need to grab three sticky notes. Again, assuming table of four. So you need to grab three sticky notes. What you're going to do is you're going to write a sticky note for each of your table mates. And and it's a sticky note of appreciation, a thank you. A hey, thank you so much for being kind and helpful to me as I was so confused with perfect square trinomial factoring. Or thank you for helping me when I was sick that one day and you helped explain something to me to get me caught back up, blah, 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 like whatever the case is. where thanks for making math not so terrible, <laughs> right? Like, thanks for laughing at our inside jokes, right? Some of them, uh, take this to heart and some of them are just like, thanks for being my partner, and that's fine, right? But we are taking a moment to appreciate each other. Um, Again, realizing that we have had a journey together through a chapter, that we have traveled through difficult moments together, we've supported each other, we have tried to uphold each other. Um, The last thing, um, and I did it for the first time last year, um, and I'll call it blessings. So a uh, handful of years ago, this is a picture that I took probably from like my second year teaching. Um, I asked at the end of a final exam, what's the most important thing you learned about yourself this semester, this year, this semester. Um, and this particular student said that math is not a completely hopeless subject for me. And this has stuck with me. And I think about who that, and I don't actually know who it was. And I don't remember who it was. Um, But I think about that kind of student and what they thought about themselves every single day that they had walked into a math class and how sad it is. Um, But also I think about the kind of growth that they experienced and recognized in themselves by the time that they got to the end. And and in a small question, right, what's the most important thing that you learned about yourself, In in a very small question, they had a moment of reflection, a moment of growth. And coupled with that, um, the link that says inspiration here, um, I listened to a podcast called The Intentional Parents Podcast. Um, it's an awesome podcast intended for parenthood um, and from a Christian perspective. Um, and they had, one of their podcasts was about blessings, ideally over like your children. Um, but a quote from here, it says, For children will become who you tell them you see them becoming. So we need to know how to bless them in a way that profoundly impacts the future of their lives and God's kingdom. And that felt like such, in a good way, like a like a like a good burden <laughs> to have. And my daughter is like almost three. So like I can tell her that she's beautiful and amazing and wonderful. Um, but I'm like that as she grows, right? That's that's going to need to grow. And I think, okay, this student. Who walked into my room who said math is not a completely hopeless subject for me I never I don't think I did I don't think I ever spoke that into their life directly but what if I had right what if I was able to tell them something that I saw in them I've just spent an entire year with them I actually know them pretty decently um, so I in, in like our exam review days at the end of second semester I actually wrote a note card for every one of my students, and I was a ball of nerves when I handed them out because I was so excited and also a little terrified because I didn't know what the reaction would be. Um, and it was the most wonderful, life giving experience to be able to show some of these students, right? Because not every student thinks they're a math student, and not all of the things that I said were about math, right? But I also think how wonderful is that, that a math teacher can see them as a person, right? You're not your math grade. You are not just my 17th student, right? You are a beautiful, beautiful son or daughter of the king. So those are the things that... um, I feel like I do a decent job at. I still feel like there's room for growth. Um, Reflection and storyboards are places that I feel like I'm just dipping my toe into, Um, things that I want to grow in, Um, and obviously still ever-changing, ever-growing. The the journey is never done, it just keeps going. So what I want you to do, you should have this same piece of paper, is I want you to think about what, what would you circle? What are the things you feel like you're doing a pretty okay job at where do you have knowledge Now, I am a person who learns by seeing. I love seeing what other people are doing in the classroom. Um, That gives me the best inspiration. Um, So I have a challenge for you. I would love to see you present next year (laughs) at CEA so I can learn more about some of these things. Um, But truly, 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 I think if there is something you think you are okay at, right? There are others of us who are like, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> right? Like, I would love to know more about reflection and love to know more about storyboards in the context of math. And with my like mental resources available, right? Like I'm like, yeah, I don't really know where to go with that. And you might feel like that's actually something you're really good at. And if you think about how many people there are in this room right now, if over the course of like the next ten years, each of us Would share just a little bit of knowledge, right? Nothing that I shared today was earth shattering. Um, It feels very normal in my world, but to someone, this might be exactly what they need, right? To know how to support students better. All right. I think, okay, guys, this is really good. I think we've got 12 minutes. Yes. Okay, Um, that's it. So, I would love to answer any questions. I would love for you to talk to each other, whatever is going to be the most helpful for you. But I am officially done. Thank you, thank you, Mm -hmm. thank you for coming. And I hope that something was helpful. There, you can see the whole thing, and you make it so you can cut them the same, right? Y'all see the visual Is there? Face off Um. So I practiced on my walk with my dog yesterday, and it was going to take us too long. Okay. But we can still do them. They're two games that I literally just made up. Yes. So you said by the end you're doing like one a day. Yeah. One. question. So like it depends right on the topic, but I try like this one you can tell like we definitely do more than just one question, right. but overall, my, my idea is five minutes, but five minutes for the kid who takes a long time, right So I had students who can, can crank this out in a minute, and I have students who obsess over it and will like as the, the little beep 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 like timer is going, I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's turn it in like let's go. Um, but also like reminding them, hey, like you can you can turn it in, and you can redo it for full points. So I always remind them. Yeah. So on day one, on Monday, you would hand out this quiz, mm-hmm. and uh, student B did not pass this quiz, so they get to redo So on Tuesday, they're doing both Monday's redo and Tuesday's homework quiz. So homework Wednesday quizzes, months. the homework quiz for the day. So like. The homework quiz for the day, that one, everybody gets their five minutes to do, and, like, it's built in. So I always do, uh, like, homework checking, answer questions, do a warm-up. I actually personally only do a homework quiz if I do a warm-up. I feel like that is my that is my way to be fair to students. I feel like that gives them the right amount of practice. Um, otherwise, if they did it really well, but they did it really well on Friday, <laughs> and we're coming back on Monday, I'm like, I don't know if that's Fair to students, and also too potentially selfishly for me, I'm probably going to get more wrong, and I'm going to have to grade more, <laughs> um, right? So I'm like, I want, <laughs> but it's true, right? Like I want them to be set up for success if we take a couple moments, and then also, right? If they have any misconceptions, then they can get it sorted out with their partner as we're going through the warm up. So, in answer to your question, the the one that like I staple and I pass back, that one can get back to me at any point in time. That's why I take it home. home, do, it take home do it when we have homework time today. Like, and the rule is if you get it back, you can turn it into any time before the chapter ends. Yeah, so it's like the official. And you can create your own rules for it. But um, If you want to go and wander, there's no offense taken. If you have questions, please stay.